Pastor Freddie T here, Real Lifers. We've got an exciting three weeks coming up, and we've got an exciting podcast for you today. Uh, JV and I get personal, and we really open up our lives and share different struggles that we have as we think about uh, controlling things and idols in our life. And so I think you're going to be encouraged, and I think you're going to be challenged. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Real Life Podcast. What's up, JV? What's up, Freddie? Good morning. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling pretty good. Slept good. Feeling pretty good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Great. It's I'm little, feeling fine. Thanks for asking. It's a little cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday morning. It's cloudy. How are you feeling? I, I am feeling wonderful. Uh, sleepy. Uh, too much in my head. We'll see where it all goes. I'm looking forward to the podcast. Maybe Do you ever journal? Do you ever journal, Jonathan? Um, uh, earlier in my, in my life, I journaled a lot. If uh, you're too much in your head, you should journal and then read what you wrote to see how crazy your thinking is. Can I, I'll, can I ask Alexa to journal for me? You think you, she you would? could do voice memo and then listen to yourself talking. Maybe I should do that. Alexa. Um, so, uh, see where we are. So, If anybody's listening to the podcast out loud in their home right now, you just blew up a fuse in there. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. <laughs> All right. So, this is the segment. Hey, Google. <laughs> this is the segment where we do the brain dump, and I thought this week's brain dump was really, really informative. Yeah, I, we, I didn't have a brain dump. So for those that don't know, uh, every Sunday-ish, Sunday night, Freddie T. organically started a few months ago with a email with a brain dump, has all kinds of good emojis in it, and it was really just kind of his uh, train of thought of what happened on Sunday and the week before, and some of us really look forward to reading it, and uh, well, he did not do one this week. You guys are so kind and gracious. I, the brain dump, I, yeah, I think it's like people's second favorite thing in the whole church. You know, it was like... <laughs> We send out the brain dump, but I, you know, sending out the weekly newsletter is like madness for me because it's just the prim proper structured, like I need a little personality to flow through there. And, uh, so I'm glad the brain dump, you know what? I'm really glad we got to the place in the life of the church where I felt like I had the, the bandwidth on Sunday night to write the brain dump. Like I've always kind of wanted to write a little Sunday recap, you know, for folks, and it's just, you know, you just start something up and it's just like you're spinning plates, you're spinning plates, you're spinning plates. And, and praise God, we've been able to, you know, grow our team and equip and empower more people and pass off some plates. And so much so that on Sunday night, I feel like, okay, I've got, I've got a little, little gas in the tank. Let me pour a little out. But this past Sunday, I had a funeral at two. Uh, a dear family friend, Don Doherty, died, and his funeral was at the Methodist Church downtown, which is a beautiful, beautiful facility. And my dad was supposed to be a pallbearer, but my mom and dad had been planning this trip for months, and they were out of town. So it was kind of special. I got to, like, stand in for my dad, for one of his best friends' funeral, you know. And, and I read a eulogy that my dad wrote for him, and then I read another eulogy that another good friend wrote for him. So it was just, it was special, you know, Sunday afternoon. And then uh, Sunday evening, we had um, we had a staff meeting via Zoom. And uh, it was just great to get everybody on the Zoom and then connect 
And then immediately after that, I had a fantasy baseball draft. Do you know what fantasy sports are, Jonathan? No. You really, you really don't know what fantasy sports I've are? I've heard of them. No, I don't know what you do. Yeah. I, baseball <clears throat> draft is hard enough in real life. I you have imagine. a draft. You pick your teams. And then there's different ways that... Is this a fan- video game? It's You could do it on an app or a computer. You know, I, I do all mine on Shake an it app. off. Go ahead. Anyways, it's a lot of fun. I tried to play fantasy football years ago once. Played one season. Hated it. I, you know, I like I'm not a big football fan. I didn't know any of the players. But being a big baseball fan, I played fantasy football with a handful of guys from the church. And uh, some of the students, both my boys, my oldest two boys, uh, play fantasy baseball. And, um, you know, I'm not looking for more things to get my sons on their phones with, you know. But, um, but here's one of the things I love about it is – they're playing with adult leaders in the student ministry. Those relationships, man. You know, it's just, it's like when you play fantasy baseball and you're talking trash to the adult leaders from real-life students, and then you come in for a small group, you're going to be a lot more likely to open up with somebody that you've been playing a game with through the week, you know. Anyways, so I had that Sunday night, and um, I just I just ran out of gas. <laughs> so uh, for uh, let me be the proxy for the rest of the uh, real life congregation. We really do enjoy it, but I know you have kind of created a little bit of a monster. Everybody oh, on the brain dump. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess it can take be, a, take a week off. On. Take a week off occasionally. It's okay. I did get a text from somebody yesterday saying, "Have you stopped doing the brain dumps?" Yeah. No. I said no. One of them was when I on preached. a Monday morning. That was when I preached about three weeks ago. You didn't yeah. do one yet. And I did a Monday morning. Yeah, that's right. I didn't have anything good to say about your brain <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> anyway, so if you had done it, so this is organic. So it is my favorite thing when like a new real lifer says, we had some of the guy preach or that guy preached, you know, there's a no for the next time you ask me. That guy. Uh, so for for those that don't know, we're going to get to a point this morning. I promise we're going to get to the scripture and talk about uh, the rich young ruler. Uh, but for those that don't know, we really don't plan out what we're talking about. We have a general idea, a couple, three points. So a lot of what happens is very organic. This morning may be very organic. So I'm going to ask Freddie some questions. He's going to ask me some questions that we probably are not prepared for. And, and this one you're not prepared for this morning is... Yeah, give, maybe give, not. Well, give, well, let me just say a couple things. Let me just say a couple oh, things Oh, wow, I just interrupted. No, no, no. Let me just say a couple things about this. Like, you know, real, real life is it's my job. So, you know... I spend most of my days thinking very intensely on all things real life, right? So if you prick me, I bleed real life. So from that perspective, there's some preparation that goes on, you know, right? I always know you're going to talk about the brain dump, you know. Uh, And you lead a community group right after the sermon. So you're discussing it with people. You're hearing people's questions, all of that. So... No, we don't. We're not reading from a script. Yeah, that's my point. So yeah. I just wanted them to know that we don't have this big script that we're reading. That's, back. Well, this that's is a very exactly. fun, organic time, unscripted for, for Fred and I. And I hope there is some gleaning of God's truth out of it. But here's the question: Are you ready? <laughs> ready. So, what was the number one thing you would have put on your brain dump if you had done? Oh your brain yeah, dump? yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Well, I think the number one thing I was going to put on my brain dump is that we will be announcing who our associate pastor is next Sunday. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. That would be this Sunday? This Palm Sunday. Palm yeah. Sunday. Yeah, so we were thinking about announcing who our associate pastor was going to be this past Sunday, um, but he's not telling his church until this coming Sunday that okay. he's at. And um, so we just wanted to you yeah. know, respect that process. And um, 
You know, we haven't been super noisy about the fact that we were searching for an associate pastor. I've shared with you know a couple different times, um, but it's been a huge process. Intense. For us. It's been an intense process. Long. Yes. You know, for at least eight months since last September. How many months is that? Long time. Yeah. So we've been looking uh, and praying and searching and um, and you know, kind of in one of our lulls, the Lord just dropped the right person in our lap. Literally. Yes, it was fantastic. Anything else would have been on the brain dump that you would have put on there this week? You know, I like I'm so, so thankful for so many leaders. I'm so fired up about the kids singing on Palm Sunday. Bring your mamas, bring your aunts, bring your grandmamas. It's just gonna be so good. And um kids are my kids are so excited. I was sitting in Carline yesterday. I don't listen to the radio in Carline. My wife does, but I had Carline duty yesterday morning and she texted me. 88.3 that was it so i had to turn it on and there was the song they're going to be singing you're kidding it was on the radio oh yeah that's how I they, love the kids that. knew it before they kind of so they're doing all the rolling yeah. with their hands okay. and they're raising their hands in the oh, car oh that's they're great man yeah that's great well you know a couple of weeks ago we talked about the text about you know you must become like a child and i was reflecting upon that anticipating anticipating the kids singing and it being a model for the congregation on how to be a little unrestrained in, in their worship, you know. Like, uh, I think there's a lesson there for us, yeah. There is. Well, they were they were into it in the car yesterday morning, so they're very excited. So, uh, invite a friend. This is Palm Sunday. Invite a friend for Easter. Jonathan, I've got a question for you. Oh, you notice? Yes. Are, are you expressive in your worship physically? No. Why? I'm just not. Why? Well, this is not psychology. Time. No, no, no. I'm curious. I'm curious. Uh, no, do you feel do you like, really want to know? Well, let me well, ask this you. This is a really intimate conversation that we're having this with un- hundreds, hundreds of people. Are you? I, I get I get in my head too much. So when I when I am expressive, yes, it's not because I don't want to be expressive. It's something that I'm working out in my own head because I'm thinking more about what I'm doing yeah. than what I'm. You're worried about what are they going to think? No, Am I no. distracting them? It's it's, it's not because if I if I'm at the house and I raise my hand at yeah. the house, yeah. which I do occasionally, yeah. and listen to yes music, praise music. Yes, I'm still in my head. I'm thinking more about raising my hand than I what I'm raising my hand for. But when you say you're thinking about raising your, I'm hand. thinking. I'm just thinking about what I'm doing as opposed to. Yeah, are you thinking about the sincerity of it? Are you thinking about like I just I'm raising my hand, but God, I don't know if this is sincere. Like, what do you? Something like that. Yeah, I don't really know. It's. I mean, I don't want to put words in your head, but what no, you no, it's it's maybe a little bit of all of that. So it's just I'm not a very expressive person. I heard somebody say one time. Well, you you are expressive. Verbally, in re- yes. And verbally, I'm yes. very expressive. You're very expressive. So, so when when I'm not raising my hand, I even maybe fold my arms or put my hands in my pockets. Uh, if I'm bowing my head singing, yeah. yes. that's my expression at this point. Yes. I'm not saying it won't change. You know, yes. I am always inspired. I am moved when someone or some people in the congregation are very physically expressive. It's yeah. a very moving time for me. Yeah. So I grew up in the same church you grew up in. Correct. And there was very little physical expression. Stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. You know, uh, you know what? Uh, there was no. On rare occasions, people would fill the altar and kneel at the altar, right? Like if an very evangelist few times, came. Very and, few times, yes. You know, that kind of thing. Um, when I went to college, I went to a conference where there was a mingling of different backgrounds, and there was much more physical expression in worship. So I was like, oh, huh. And uh, and then when I was in college, I began to listen to Louis Giglio's sermons, and one of his core messages is on worship. 
And one of the things, one of the like two or three messages that he preaches is on like physical postures in worship. He defines worship as worship is is our response, both personal and corporate, both to who God is and for what God has done. Uh, in in what we so our it's okay, our it, it's it's our response, both personal and corporate, by by what we say and what we do. Or you know, anyways, for who God is and for what He has done. Um, anyways. Uh, he's a very, very effective communicator, pa- pastor of Passion City Church. I had the great privilege of working with their ministry when I was in college, but I was marked by these messages on worship. And um, on a couple of occasions over the years, I've, I've preached on it, which is really the overflow of like his mentoring in, in worship. And um, man... I so want our congregation to experience the freedom of physical expression. Here's the real crux. The real crux of the matter is so many of us, our worship experience is shaped by our tradition and our experience rather than the authority of God's Word because the authority of God's Word has a half a dozen physical postures that we're actually like commanded to worship in, you know. So one of these days I'll make you really uncomfortable with a sermon series on worship. That I'll sit in the back. Yeah. Just 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 warn me before you do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yes, yeah, so have you ever seen me bow my head when singing? That's what yeah. I'm doing. That's yeah. my that's my yeah. raising my hand at this moment. You know, I mean, break out the flags. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, well, you want to dump the non-brain dump this morning? I think I just gave it to you. There it was. Uh, that's right. So let's go to a break and then. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the sermon, and let's talk about maybe what an idol is and whether we're holding them today. Sounds good. See you in a minute. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But man, don't we have a lot of excuses for why we don't honor the Lord with our money? You know, ministry takes money, and when you give, God's work is propelled forward. I want to ask you to pray today. Pray and ask God to strengthen your faith, to deepen your resolve, to invest in His work, in His ministry. Worship the Lord today through your giving. Make a sacrifice. Set up recurring giving so that even when you can't be present at church, your gift is present. Simply text MISSION to 97000 to set up giving today. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Give to the Lord. And we are back. Jonathan, I got a question for you. You ready for another no, question? Not after the do last you drink, segment. Do you drink coffee at real life on Sunday mornings? I do not. Yeah. I drink it at home before. You make your own coffee at you home? Or espresso at home, yeah. You do you, do you bring it in a cup, or are you done with it by the time you get to church? No, we we drain that sucker down in about three minutes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Do you do you bring a, like a thermos of water, or you just? I'm afraid I'll drop it. Yeah. So, uh, two different people Sunday spilled their coffee on themselves. Mm-hmm. Did you see that or hear about that? Uh, it's like every week I can see it. Yeah, <laughs> no, are I can you he- I can hear the clang, and then someone's rushing back, and all of a sudden there's like they're carrying toilet paper. Wait or a second, this happens t- every week. About every week. No I way. It. I see it every week. But you're talking about people, like somebody like just like Drop, dropping their coffee. Or dropping something. water, yeah. Well, so something was, uh, Daniel, did you see this Sunday? Yeah, okay. So something was off with the lids. 
And I think we got like cups mixed match with the lids. You know how sometimes like cups can have the rim of it bent yeah. a little bit and uh-huh. the lid doesn't fit well. Um, Lex Reed, you know, shows me his chest and he's got coffee all over him. <laughs> and then um, Susan comes and sits next to me after the worship service starts. And I, and I look down and there's like coffee all over her Bible. And I'm like, what's what? And, and then she points to her chest and there's coffee all over her shirt, you know. And um, anyways, I sent Ashley Howe, who heads up our hospitality team. We love Ashley and Brandon. She's amazing. Woo-hoo. Yep, yep, yep. And I sent her a text in the middle of the worship service. And I just said, uh, a couple of people have had their coffee spill. Not sure what's happening with the lids or cups, but can we fix this before next Sunday? <laughs> you rock. God's special servant you are. And she just texted back, handled it, thumbs up, you know. And, it, you know, real life works because there's amazing people like Ashley mm-hmm. who are ready to take responsibility for little things like that that happen and figure out why did that happen and yeah. how do we correct it for next week. So shout out to all of our ministry team leaders and – um uh, just be careful with your cup this Sunday, I guess. You know, no, Ashley said she handled it, so um, there you go. All so right. sorry about that. If you spilled your coffee on, I don't, I'm not sure what happened on the cups, but every now and then, you know, that's okay. All right, I blame it on COVID. So we are on Luke 18, I think. Again, Luke 18, 18. That was interesting. Rich young ruler. We talked Wait, about rich what? The rich ruler. Sorry. Let's check it off. The rich ruler. Oh, we, yeah, we talked yeah. about this a little bit about three or four weeks ago. On a different one of the other gospel authors describes him as the rich, rich young, young ruler. ruler. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's the one I read. Uh, maybe that Matthew did rich young ruler. But anyway, so you did rich ruler this week, and we got into a very you got into a very intriguing sermon about, and you ended it at least first service. I go to first service, and you ended it talking about idols. I you know at the end of the sermon. One of the best compliments you can give me is that it was intriguing, you know, like that it made me think. Well, you know, like I, I try to do two things. One, I try to I try to give clarity. Like I really want to give handles and clarity. I think people know more than they live, so I, I want application to be action oriented. Uh, information does not equal transformation, right? So I really want to give clarity and steps of action, but sometimes I want to just create attention and un- let it be unresolved. Just let people leave with attention. So when you say it was intriguing, I'm like, ooh. Well, the tension for me was, so we said every week, so community group for me is 10 o'clock, bowling lounge, right after first service. We talk about your sermon right after we just heard it. And I started off with Freddie left us with, you have to trust God with the impossible. And in this case, it was the impo- sometimes the impossibility or the work that it requires to let go of your idols or in, in some aspects to pray to God that you're not so apathetic about having an idol. Let's take a laser-like focus on that whole impossible. Yes. So I don't want to be real general with it. Let's, uh, let, let's unpack it really, really specifically from this particular text. With God, you know, with man, things impossible. With God, all things are possible. Uh, so... This rich ruler was was extremely wealthy, the text says. He was very wealthy. So we see in other texts of Scripture that uh, money is deceitful and that it has the power to allure you away and even cause you to wander away from the faith, right? So we've got to be careful about how we think about money and what our heart does with money. Well, this guy... He had a lot of potential landmines because he had a lot of money, right? And so um, 
so perhaps it was more difficult for him than someone that didn't have a lot of money. And in there, that statement, but with God, all things are possible. So even for this man that had all these potential landmines of the heart in his life, he was blessed financially. He had all this money. Even for this man, it was possible. It's possible for him to enter the kingdom of heaven. So how is it possible? Well, here's where here, this is the, the miracle of it all is that is that God in his great grace is able to turn our hearts away from the idols of our heart and from the things of this world and to turn them toward him. God is able to give us a real glimpse of his greatness and his glory and by his spirit woo us to himself. So I looked up this word impossible because when I I've I've read this scripture plenty of times and um and taught this scripture plenty of times. And so I was very intrigued sitting in the very back row. My Greek professor warned me about about guys like you, John. And so looking I, up, I was looking no, up words. I, I don't try to do it afterwards he, until he said, after con- the sermon. Context is king. <laughs> it is king. Yeah. And so I so I so you brought up the point impossible, impossible. So if it's impossible, it's it's impossible. I was like well, it's not impossible because it happens. And so I wanted to look this word up. I just I want to see the context of the word itself, too. Oh, not just go. in the context there, of where yeah, it's yeah, said. Yeah. And so this word, possible or impossible, same word, M's just not possible, is the same word we get the word dynamite. This is the same word in Ephesians 6 when he talks about spiritual warfare. Be strong in the Lord. This is the adjective form of that word, strong or strength. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it hit me this morning, as I actually was driving here this morning, thinking about this, was it's not impossible. It's just impossible for us. I know, it's like, duh, 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 you got the point of the sermon. But it's, it is possible. But when we lean on our own abilities, when we lean on our own, listen, understanding, our own context, our own paradigms, our own backdrops, our own heritage, our own legacy, our own upbringings, when you do all that stuff and you put all this in the bag with all of that understanding, you're not going to be able to understand it unless you put it in the backdrop of what God has done for us in his word. So good. So somebody just lifted their hand on the podcast. <laughs> somebody just shouted amen sweaty, driving, down the, driving down the street. And all that sounds really good. So tell me how it's hitting you in your... So this is how it hits me. So if you ever want to know how, it, how a sermon hits me or the scripture hit me, it hit me on Sunday. Because the question I asked was, Freddie just said we should trust God with the impossible. I was like, what does that mean? What are we supposed to do, folks? And man went around the table in the Bowen Lounge, and everyone said over and over, "Trust God. We have to trust." God. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd like just to talk about. Very, I think we need to talk about idols. Yeah. But I would love for me to understand better. Yeah. When we say trust God with the impossible, what I said was, and this is a little, maybe a third great joke, but a lot of times it's a don't do. It's mm-hmm. a it's it's an action, as you said. It is an action on our part. It's a don't do. But sometimes it's a doo-doo. <laughs> yeah, is that funny? Yeah, that's what they said. Uh, but Kilbury said I said doo-doo six times. Um, but sometimes it is a don't do. And part of the impossible that God has to do is he has to break us. Mm-hmm. He has to break us of, yeah. of control. Yeah. Um, you 
and another very good friend sent me to some leadership podcasts. I have really learned a lot. And he's a biblical-based leadership podcast. Craig Groeschel. Okay. Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. Look it up. It's good yeah. stuff. You sent me you sent me his name. I I was had, came back from a, a come from a drive last week in Nashville, so I was listening to it. And he talks about one of the major leadership principles is, and it's one of our major principles at our church, you have equip and empower. Yeah. He says, the more you hold on to things, the more you're controlling your business or your friends or your situation, the more you're controlling it because, well, gosh, you do it the best way, and you're not empowering those around you to do it, then you're never going to be able to grow, whether that's a relationship or whether that's a business. A core leadership principle is you've got to empower those around you. And I just flipped it this morning in my head, Fred. I was like, what am I trying to control? Is God not trying to empower me? Mm-hmm. Is God not trying to empower me with the impossible and that I'm going to control by holding on to that idol, that carven image, carved yeah. image, yeah. and I'm, I'm just not willing to let go? Why? Yeah. Well, because it's just so comfortable. It's you know, just always yeah. worked for me. Yeah, you know, yeah, yes. Yes, that's so dangerous. That's why that's why like big disruptions that show us that we're not in control are such a blessing from God. Let me say that again. Yes. That's why big disruptions that show us that we're not in control are such a blessing from God. Um uh, yeah. <laughs> you know the first paper that I wrote in seminary was titled this was back in 2002. The first paper that I wrote was, um, what is repentance unto salvation? In other words, we know we must repent in order, to, in order to be a Christian. In order to be a genuine follower of Jesus, we must repent. Jesus' first sermon was repent. Uh, unless you repent, you likewise will perish. So what must we repent of in order to actually be a Christian? It's a good question. And my conclusion in this paper is, is we must repent of whatever from whatever was the Lord of our life. In other, in other words, some bad teaching kind of emerged in the in the eighties, in the church growth movement in the eighties, and it went like this. Well, I you know it, when I was ten, I made Jesus my savior, but when I was twenty, I made him my Lord. Well, that's just messed up teaching because. You can't cut Jesus in half, and you you can't pick and choose what you want from Jesus. If you receive him, you must receive him as he is, and he is Lord. So if you genuinely receive him, then you receive him as Savior and Lord. You don't pick a little part of Jesus when you're 10 and pick a little part of Jesus when you're 20. And But this text illustrates that so well, and I feel like it's a, a really helpful like clarifying boundary or marker to understand the text. Because, you know, you can read the text, and at face value, everybody's going, oh my gosh, do, do, I, have to, do I have to sell all that I have and give it to the poor to, to be a Christian? Is that, is that my takeaway from this text? And it's important to understand the context of the text, where, where Jesus is, is actually honing in on the rich young ruler. And, I, and through his teaching, he's exposing what his idol is which was his wealth and we conge luke contrasts that with with what peter says at the end and peter says but we've left everything to follow you so like you know all of his his family and his house and all the you know maybe maybe comfort maybe personal comfort maybe it was control and he gave up control maybe he gave up comfort 
Um, maybe he just gave up the, 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 the close proximity to the relationships, you know, where he found peace and joy. You know, he gave up those things. Maybe he gave up, maybe he gave up his own rights to, to, to his life, to, to call the shots. And, and so you, you contrast this with the, the rich ruler was unwilling to give up what he loved most. Peter was willing to give up what he loved most. So podcast listener, are you willing to give up what you love most? That's that's the question out of that out of the text. Are you willing to give up what you love most? And um, you mentioned that in your that in your community group that somebody brought up Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. T.J. Lusk brought with, the word. Which, like, you didn't give me all the details of what he said, but I can only assume that he was saying Abraham was willing to give up his son. And he demonstrated his willingness, and then God said, "You don't have to give him up." Is that is that so? Yeah. So the whole the big idea of the sermon was worship Jesus, not wealth, and the rewards will be worth it. Because Jesus then spoke to Peter and told him that. That's what he told him. He said, "Listen, no one has left houses and brothers and mothers and sisters and wives and that will not receive many times as much in this life and in the life to come." What better what better Old Testament story than Abraham and Isaac to show? Yeah, Abraham was willing to give it up, and and Abraham was willing to give up the promise that God had given him. That was what, what I, don't, I really didn't love this dive into Abraham and Isaac, and we won't go too far in sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. But but Isaac was not just his child, which is huge. I mean, that was his son. But Isaac was the promise that he gave Abraham for all generations to come forever. Here's the here's the with God all things are possible peace. because it wasn't Abraham's to control. How could God fulfill his promise that he had promised Abraham through you all the families of the earth will be blessed your descendants will be more numerous than the stars of the sky how can God fulfill that promise if he commands Abram Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac how could that happen and, and this is after Abraham tried to subvert and control how his son was going to come about with Hagar <laughs> which didn't work out he brings Isaac he and Sarah have Isaac and here he is a young child and he's going to march him up a mountain to kill him That's so good man and, but the point I think is very important. This is so really organically wonderful for me this morning. It's it's where I'm really trying to put my crosshairs on in my own life. Is that Abraham in Egypt and Abraham with Hagar tried to control the situation, and what he learned in those situations was it, it wasn't his situation to control. It was his situation to trust God with the impossible, something that he could not see nor foretell, nor even control or make happen. And he marched up that mountain to kill the promise of what God had given all generations, and he was willing to do it because it wasn't his promise. It wasn't his choice. He was going to march up there and kill it, that child. And God stopped him. Yep. And it said, and this is what TJ got to, yeah. that God knew and in that moment, he experienced with Abraham the beautifulness of trusting in him yeah. and not con- trying to control the situation. Well, the control is such a powerful thing to talk about. What In your community group, did mm-hmm. you guys talk about what idols people struggled with the most? Did you, did you get there? Oh, yeah. That, before we really even started, we had one person said that she struggled with control. Yeah. Uh, yeah, others just how we're dealing with situations and, you know, 
I've got some things going on in my head, with yeah. business and yeah. life, and and I just was transparent and said I'm struggling because I'm I'm not seeing clarity in the situation. Where is God's hand in this situation, yeah. or am I trying to get in the way and makes things happen? Yeah, because there's a glory in waiting on the Lord, right? And and yet the Scripture tells us if you don't work, you don't eat, right? Like so, it's like. You know, work is the working under the Lord Christ. Well, that's going to require a lot of hard work, right? You know, um, so where is that balance of working with all of our might, you know, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. So, So what is that balance of working in order to glorify God with our work and then yet trusting him with the results? I hear a great sermon series coming up in the next couple of years. Well, I um, you know, I've I really feel like for for me, I feel like that this issue of control is a really sneaky area of pride in my own life. Because just like by God's grace, Jonathan, like I when I'm in dialogue with people, like I'm eager for people to point out my failures. And I'm eager to receive and repent quickly. And like, I'm eager to get that kind of thing. Um, And so, so sometimes I think, well, that's a mark of humility and I find encouragement in that. And I think you can, I think you can be humbly confident that you're humble. I think that's possible. I actually think it's possible. Prideful with your humbleness. Well, I don't think, I don't think that the Lord is going to give us commands in scripture that we can't have any idea whether or not we're obeying them. God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. So he's not going to give us a commandment as a, as a trick, as though we could never know if we're actually living humbly. Um, so I think you can humbly discern if you're walking in humility. One of the marks of humility is prayerfulness. And we see that in, in 1 Peter, where he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord for he cares for you, casting all of your anxieties on him. So casting, casting your anxieties on the Lord is, it's a participle answering the question, in what manner are we to humble ourselves? By casting our anxieties on the Lord. Did, did, you, did you notice I just went, I just did a little word examination there, Jonathan? I just examined a word. But so casting there uh, is, is a participle answering the question, how, how am I to humble myself? So we're commanded to be humble. Well, how do we do that? How do we know if we're humble? Well, through prayerfulness. So if your life is not prayerful, that's a that's a um, uh, that's a an indicator of pride, right? Well, I can pray all day long and still have pride, though. You know. So how? Where is that? For me, it's in that control. So it's manifested in anger when something doesn't go the way I want it to go, and I get angry. There's, there's, there's a root to that anger. Anger is just the, um, it's just the fruit of a root of a root. And it's what's under the surface. And what's under the surface is sneaky pride is that I've deceived myself thinking that, that I can control something. I've deceived myself thinking that this controls a good thing, uh, or that this attempt at controls a good thing. And then when things feel out of my control, I might get angry. And and that's a good that's a grace from the Lord of like, hey, there's something unhealthy in your soul, and um, and then and then it's an opportunity to to, to repent. You know, Christian maturity, Jonathan, is not um, Christian maturity is not found in your need to repent less. 
Christian maturity is not when you start sinning less and you have less need to repent. Christian maturity is found when you repent quickly. So it's not the absence of sin. It's the quickness of your repentance. In other words, you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice. And you don't fight with the Lord. You quickly, you quickly want to repent, you know. In other words, there's indwelling sin in all of our lives that we don't even know know is there. So we talk about Sunday, that, that prayer, Psalm 139. Search me, O Lord. Well, when we ask the Lord to do that, he'll do that. And he'll show us sin that's not there, you know. But God is so patient with us. This is one of the, the points yesterday. I was working on the, the Palm Sunday sermon and Easter sermon yesterday, and I almost messaged you and asked you to do a little research on something. No, I'm serious. You should have. Yeah, well, it, it's not done yet, so I'll probably, you, might, you might get a message from me asking you to research some things for me. But um, he's so patient with us, though, because what God is so gracious and patient in that Philippians 1 says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, complete it under the day of Christ Jesus. So we're not our own Savior. God is the potter and we're the clay. He's molding us into this place that he wants us to be. And it's and he doesn't reveal all of our sin to us all at once, you know. So he's like a delicate surgeon, you know. And I suppose I suppose that sometimes if he's not getting our attention, you know, like if he if he won't if he if he's not getting our attention, I suppose he might bring the hammer. You know? So why do we do this? This is the question I asked myself as I was walking to the office this morning, getting ready for the podcast. It's like, well, okay, well, what if I don't? Don't, what if I, don't I don't want to give up my idol because oh, yeah, I like yeah, the control yeah. of this. I yeah, I, I I want this and want that. And I think the very end of the scripture is very poignant to say, if you do, oh, yeah. when Peter says, but I've left and oh, I've done. Come on. He says, but you, and you said this at the end of the first service, that he is going to provide you what it says many times more. But just, and, and so where I want to always go is, well, yeah, in heaven, I'm going to have that mansion. I'm going to hang out. But no, no, that's not what he says. And he says, at this time, you will experience many times more of that enjoyment or that funness or that comfortability that you're experiencing right now that i'm experiencing holding on to those things that make me comfortable the idols that if i just let them go that he's going to show me many times more the same thing i'm looking for because the rich ruler found sadness because he didn't go he says you're not going to find sadness and you're going to find it when you're going to find it in this time and if that word in time is not like chronos, chronological, I know I looked this word up too, Fred. Shake it off. Uh, it's not the word chronos, like we have look down on your watch right now, like what time is it? This is a different word, uh, kairos, kairos, which in essence means an opportune time. This is the time that God has created for you to enjoy and experience himself as you're giving up all of that control. And if you don't, if you don't, what you're missing out on. As I say to to my kids sometimes when they're on a screen, I was like, you know what you're doing on the screen? It's nothing wrong that you're doing on the screen, <laughs> but it's what you're missing out because when you are on the screen, what are you missing out on? What are we missing out on when we're not willing to let go of the control of our idols, controlling our life? If we just let go, what are, what what would what the opportunities would be for us to experience the true delight that you spoke about first of the year, the true delight that's there for God to give to us. Here's the hardest thing for me. The hardest thing for me is like my personality is wired all or nothing. Like that's the way I'm just wired up, right? And and so 
That's why I like those scriptures that, you know, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God resonate with me. I'm like, that's right. Don't halfway do anything, you know. Um, but what the, the difficulty for me, and I heard my New Testament professor talk about this, is like Christians should be carefree. And what he meant by that is, is that we cast all of our cares on the Lord. So if we cast them all on the Lord, then they're not on us, and we're free of care. Like, we're, we're living a carefree life. And so sometimes people might use the word carefree. Well, he's so carefree as a negative, you know, like he doesn't pay attention to important things. or you He know. doesn't care what happens. That, that's right, like that's that. right. But this is really difficult for me because what I haven't found, and this is... This is just, man, this is where I'm at as a 44-year-old man. What I what I have not found is how do I let go of control and still, and still care appropriately? Because, like, care about things. Because for me, sometimes in, in letting go of the perception of control, you know, it, letting go of the perception of control, it causes me to just throw in the towel on it altogether. You know, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to be carefree, I, the pendulum in, in my soul swings too far to where I'm like, well, I don't care. You know, you, you know, and, and that's, that, that's just a really unhealthy place to be, but that's where my struggle is in, in terms of letting go of control, but, caring about things appropriately and not and not just throwing in the towel not caring about it at all like that's 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 really hard for me let me let me give you an example somebody leaves the church somebody leaves the church that feels very out of control for me right why did they leave did i do something wrong did the community group not do this did the team leaders not do that who who's going to notice that they're gone who are they close to that they're going to wonder what people are going to ask questions. Why did they leave? People make up their own stories when people leave if they don't know why somebody left and they have influence. So one family leaving is never just one family leaving, right? There's a, there's a, a, a you know, so, so now I'm, now I'm out of control, right? Now I'm out of control. Well, the carefree approach would be just don't let that bother you, right? Like, you know, like don't let that disrupt you. Certainly don't let that rob you of your joy. And yet, it ought to be sad. Like, you know, I mean, the, the image of the body of Christ, this, this, this is some of the toughest, toughest things in my life, what I'm describing to you. The image of the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12 is that we're a body, right? So imagine, like, having your finger ripped off your hand and the pain that that would feel, you know, or your thumb, you know, and then, and, oh, my goodness, how much you miss your thumb, right? Like, you know, your big toe, you take your big toe off your foot and try balancing. It's not easy, you know, right? So the way the body functions. So when, when one member of the body separates, it impacts the whole body, right? That's what the scripture teaches. So, so how do I care appropriately about that and not care too much and not care too little? Because my, my general response is I care too much. Well, I've grown a lot over the years. I've grown a lot. So I'm, I'm caring more appropriately, but even so I need to care less than I do about it. But it, it feels like dangerous territory for me of getting into this, like not caring at all, you know? And I know some people are like, gosh, you and Jonathan, you guys are in too much in your heads, you know? Like you got just come on, just trust Jesus, you know? Like just, 
It doesn't have to be this complicated, and I totally agree, but it's like we are who we are with the personalities and the makeups and the you know, the dispositions that God has given us, so we've got to live out our faith authentically. This is who we are. Um, but that's what that's my struggle, is I, I don't want the pendulum to swing in my heart and life all the way over here where, you know, you come up to me and tell me somebody left the church, and I go, I don't care. You know, like, you, you know, like, I don't, like, that doesn't sound compassionate and caring and pastoral, you know. Well, so to this, this was really great because you're very transparent this morning. God bless you. No, bless no, you. I know I'm, I'm being serious because I always talk about church talk. We we can yeah. we can get you to the problem. We yeah. can define the problem. Yeah. But a lot of times churches don't help you understand how to get out of the problem. And so when we say trust God with the impossible, which yeah. is where I started this. Yeah. When you said trust God, well, that was the tension that I had when I left. What does that mean? I mean, I've been in church my whole life, almost 50 years, trust God with the impossible. And what it means to me. This is my transparency today. Is why I while I am doing what I believe is the next best step and the step after that, I'm going to prayerfully understand that I do not have the strength for what I want to have the outcome to happen. And that it is in God's power and it yeah. is God's strength. Yeah. And it is my job to trust him. That's good. With what I am doing next. Yeah, that's good. And if it doesn't come out the way I want it to, I can't get stressed, I can't get upset, I can't get angry as you said. If I don't get the next deal, I can't be greedy because it wasn't my deal to have. It yeah. was God's to give. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't to be jealous of the person across the street that got something that I didn't get. Yeah. So these were all the 10 commandments by the way. Yeah. And so what what I'm trying to work on this week, what I'm trying to prayerfully work on this week you got this is that i'm trying to let go of the outcome yeah and just trust the process that's good someone texted really that to good. me this week said trust yeah yeah the process do your next step look to god he will meet you in the scriptures he will lead you to your next step do not try to control the outcome of what you're doing it yeah. is not yours to control. Yeah, so I think for me, as an Enneagram 7, my instinct is to seek to avoid pain. And so, you know, when someone leaves the church, I think I think my aim is to, as gracefully as I can, say, this is really sad and painful for me. And then to sit in that, you know, to, to press through the pain of loss. Um, this is really sad and painful for me, but we bless you. We bless you and help us to know how we can support you as you transition. And, you know, and, and, and just to allow that tension to live, um, you know, in one of the things that one of the things on our staff team that we say all the time, a leadership principle that I, I got from a guy a long time ago is, is this a problem that needs to be solved or a tension that needs to be managed? And that's often very clarifying for us to know how do we act? How do we deal with this? You know, and I think that, I think for me, as I think about my soul, as I think about my heart, as I think about how I navigate these difficult moments, I think for me, and, and, and praise God, we don't, <laughs> we don't have an exodus of people leaving the church. It's, you know, it, it, it rarely happens, it, it, you know, praise God. I've been in other churches where it happens a lot, you know, and we live in the South where consumerism is rampant. So people are in and out of churches all the time. But um, I think for me, the healthy thing is not to avoid the pain. And um, sometimes I can avoid the pain by being angry, and that kind of 
protects me from the pain. Uh, I can, I can list all the reasons why they shouldn't be leaving, and that protects me from the pain. Or I can act like I don't care at all, you know, and actually get to that place. Actually, don't care. Not not caring, just focus on all the good things and not care about this painful thing. But I think the healthy place is to actually experience real sorrow and real loss and be willing to acknowledge that, uh, walk into that, and then and then by faith and, and by sacrifice really bless, you know, really bless people. You know, um, you know, in my experience, in my experience, it's so hard because I can't tell you, you know, over the years how many times I've sat with people that have are making a decision to leave the church when had they just come to us six months before and shared with us what was, you know, what what their problem was, what their complaint was, what who had hurt them, it, it them leaving the church could have easily been prevented. So that's where I find myself usually. So it's like, man, I just want to tell them that, you know, and I just want to send them out with like, hey, don't do here what you did, I mean, don't do there what you did here. Like if you ever have a problem, bring it up in real time, you know. Work on it. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Anyways, so my temptation is all of that, right? All like all of that. And in part, it's like to numb me of the pain of the loss. Because I I genuinely love the people and I don't want them I don't want to lose people. Um and so for me, trusting the Lord is not so much controlling that outcome, but it's being willing to walk through the pain and not and not somehow distract myself from the, the pain of the loss, you know. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. So as God is... I'm just a big wimp. That's no, a translation. <laughs> as God is working through all of us, those that are listening, those that are not listening, He's constantly working. That's the loving God that we have, not so that He can cause us pain, yeah. and not that He can watch us suffer. That's not the point. The suffering and the pain is there. He is there alongside us trying to coax us, trying to woo us, just tell us, yeah. let go of that. Yeah, yeah. And there will be much, much more on the other side at this time in the time to come. That's so good. Podcast listener, what is that step today that God is calling you to trust him in? Just one step. Just take a step. What is that thing? And and it may require you to actually get on your knees and cry out to him. It, it may require more than just a minute. It might really require you to to be desperate before God for you to be to feel naked before God it may require tears it may require you to to shout it may require giving up control it may require walking through pain but what is it what is it for you identify that and then tell somebody this week tell somebody what you're what you're battling and ask somebody pray for me on Sunday morning go back to the prayer station you know, when you ask for prayer, you're humbling yourself before the Lord, and He promises to give grace to the humble. So, so what is that one step you can take, and then how can you welcome others into that step you're taking? What is it for you? And when He's saying take the step, this is the impossible possible tension that we found in Luke 18, 18, yeah. is that you're not able to do it. That's the possible point. That God supernaturally, something you cannot expect, God supernaturally will meet you there at that earnest prayer, and He will give you the strength to make the impossible possible. 
Yeah. You know, one of the biggest areas that, that others, I, I, I imagine that listeners are, some of them coming to their mind is in terms of the idea of control is with their children. Mm-hmm. The temptation to want to control our children. And it's kind of like if we choose to control them rather than shepherd them, uh, if we, if we, if we seek to control them rather than nudge them, like you, like you did with the screens, you you invite them to consider what their, you know, certainly parents set boundaries with screens, absolutely. That's not control; that's wisdom. Um, but then on those times that they are free to choose to be on the screen or not, you you invite them to consider a better option, right? Like what what are we missing out to? But if we try to control our children, that's where, you know, then when they are on their own making their own decisions, they can knee-jerk react because they've been controlled. Now they're like a like a, a bull out of the, what do you call that thing when a bull comes out and starts bucking? I don't know what they're in. A pen. Thank you. DJ Daniel Cox. Daniel's the, like, it's a pen, brother. It's a, it's a bull pen. The bull pen. pen. The bull pen. Yeah, yeah, there you Baseball go. boy. So the bull comes out of the pen, and he's just like going wild. Why? Because he has been controlled by that pen. He's been controlled by it. And so, parents, we've gotta, we've gotta, not control our children, because if we do, then when they're finally out on their own, they may be buck wild, right? Um, so maybe that's a, a nudge for somebody today, just a helpful. I know that that's a daily thing for me. Of don't control them. You know, I'm if you know some, some most parents fall on the side of either being overbearing or too passive and inactive. They want to be their child's friend, you know, and um, you know whatever it may be. Um, so man, so many areas to grow in, so many areas to. Well, we won't to continue to bang on the symbol. There's a lot there for all of us to work out. God will <laughs> more cowbell, Jonathan. More cowbell. Well, God will meet you where you are. Let's take a break, and then Fred, just real quickly after the break. Let's just remind them of Palm Sunday, Easter, week after Easter party. Exciting things coming up for sure. So let's take a quick break and we'll finish it up. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday in real life. We believe God has put you in the neighborhood and in the job and at the ballpark or at the gym, right where he wants you to influence and invite others into his story, into a relationship with him. So here's today's challenge. Text a friend right now. Stop what you're doing. Send them a message and invite them to join you at Real Life this Sunday. Who knows? Maybe it'll be their first step into a relationship with God. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Real Life. So text that friend today. All right, Fred. Enjoy the conversation. I appreciate your transparency in the last segment. So think your pastor has it all together. Some of us know he does not, and so he struggles like we all do with control, and so that was a great word. I think it's very uh, encouraging for the people listening today, Fred. It, it feels strengthening to acknowledge weakness. Like it. Yep. Uh, Palm Sunday, probably one of my favorite Sundays. I know at least I love Easter, but Palm Sunday is always one of my favorites, so I'm looking forward to Palm Sunday. That's this coming Sunday, the... 10th, I think, of April. Gosh, I hope that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then the 17th is Easter. So I'm going to just, let me hit the framework, and then you kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah, man. Palm Sunday, this Sunday, we're going to have real life, 
not real live, but real life kids that are going to be real live on the stage singing. Um, so they're going to be singing at the end of the first service, the beginning of the second service. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to your sermon. The week after, the 17th of April, we're going to have three services, one at 8 o'clock, not 8.30, but 8 o'clock, one at 9.30, and one at 11 o'clock, all at the Madison Room. That's still at the City Forum. The 11 o'clock does not have child care. So if you need child care, make sure you come to 8 or the 9.30. And then the week after Easter, which if I do my math correctly, that would be the 24th of April, um, we are on the land out on Sango Road uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, um, and we will celebrate there the week after Easter party. Yes. Fill in the gaps. Well, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great three weeks. You know, I think the the, the biggest thing I want to encourage people to do is to invite their friends with a very personal invitation. Certainly, you want to text some friends. Um, but this Sunday, we'll have invite cards for Easter that are uniquely designed for that. We've got a Facebook ad that's floating out there. So people get an invite card from you that's branded for our Easter services. And then they see the Facebook, you know, they see somebody's yard sign. It often takes multiple touches and nudges. Um, but folks that are curious, is God there? Has God forgotten about me? It does. Do I need to make a shift that 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 don't have any consistent rhythms of engaging with God and His church? When they when they feel multiple touches coming from multiple directions, they can hear the voice of God speaking to them in that. Um, so I just want to encourage all of our listeners to be really bold, to be really bold this Easter. Um, you know, you you think about it. If you live eighty years old. And you come to Christ, say at 15, you've got 65 opportunities to invite people to an Easter service. 65 in your lifetime. And this Sunday, next Sunday, is one of those 65 opportunities. So so you, we, there are very few when you think about it that way. Opportunities to invite people to Easter. And um, just a common grace from the Lord, I think, built into the DNA of the way people think about life. Many people think, well, we ought to go to Easter. They don't even know why, but maybe their grandmother did, and they just feel like, well, it's part of the heritage, and we ought to go more, but they don't even know why. Um, So don't miss an opportunity to invite a friend to Easter. It's going to be a life-giving morning. Uh, And here's, here's the kicker. Anybody that comes to Easter for the first time, with great enthusiasm, we're going to tell them, we want to buy your lunch next week at our food trucks out on the land. We're going to have eight food trucks, so the line shouldn't be really long. So there's going to be lots of opportunity to invite friends to the Sunday after Easter party. It'll be a short worship service, lots of activity, tons of fun. It's uh, pray for good weather. It's just going to be an electric day. If it rains, we'll postpone it to the next week. Um, so we'll have the big stage out there. It, it's just going to be awesome. The land right next to Sango Elementary School. I can't wait. Three Sundays of fun. Three Sundays of learning. Three Sundays the opportunity to experience God with your friends. Yeah. All right, Fred. Appreciate this morning. You too, man. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.